Yes, once again, it's I Don't Get It, the pop culture get off my lawn cast. Featuring the open-minded musings of two mid-40s curmudgeons staring down the prospect of entertainment or relevance. I am your co-host, Bill Scurry. I run something called American Caesar Enterprises, which in reality is a smoky noir detective agency. And I am joined, as always, by my good buddy. I am Noah Tarno, uh, founder and senior quiz master of the Big Quiz Thing, America's premier provider of corporate and private trivia events. Dude, the, the adjective smoky is not a oh, happy one for true. me at that's the moment. A, a trigger, I am hashtag triggered right I am, now. I am, I am triggered from your microaggression. I am in the Bay Area. While where I am at the moment does not seem to be under direct threat of fire the smell is everywhere mm. and you know this is what we needed these days because life was just so blissful and carefree i value this podcast bill because it, it lets us focus on the things that really matter in life yeah we, you know? we bring it down to what really matters so um i'm gonna pivot to great things that we're both very excited and happy to talk about which is this week's topic noah you're, he's not, you know, some weeks we do think it's a great thing. Come on, man. No, no, you're right. You're right. So this was a suggestion. This, week, this, this is hilarious. This is a suggestion of a mutual friend of ours named Steve Flack, who, by the way, does not listen to this show and we could never pay him to do so. In whoa, fact, whoa, 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 whoa. Two things, yeah. two things. Mutual friend in quotes, <laughs> as you know. Yeah. I like Steve. Steve's a good guy, but. Yeah, yeah, I know. Whatever. Yeah. And second of all, why the fuck doesn't he listen to our show? What What the hell is that about? In fact, about? Steve makes a point of telling me that he would never listen to our show because... Why? It's too, what does be, he say? Because it's what the, is his point? Uh, I think part of it is, is certainly teasing uh, that there's maybe because it's the two of us talking or maybe just me. Hard to tell. Steve Steve plays... Uh, he's definitely a towel snapper. Uh, and Steve met his fucking, I don't know if wife, but partner yeah. because of me and my stupid ideas to have a trivia ladies' night. So that dude fucking owes me. He probably does. But anyway, yeah. he doesn't listen to it, uh, loves teasing me, and by extension you for this, but still suggested a topic. And also, Got after it. I did the research, I asked him, so Steve, what was your what was your take on this? He says, oh, I don't know. I just heard of it. I never, I never investigated. I'm like, God <laughs> damn it. So, anyway. Pain in the pain ass. In the that balls, pain in the fucking balls. Uh, so yeah. we're, we're talking about a topic called 100 Gex this week. G-E-C-S, which I believe is the plural of Gex. 100 Gex. Not one, not 50, not 99, but 100 Gex. They 100 are, Gex. Yes. They are an electronica duo consisting of uh, these two young people, Dylan Brady and Laura Less. Um, they grew up in suburban St. Louis, met each other, uh, branched out to Chicago and Los Angeles, respectively. They make these heavily produced pop songs using, a lot of cases, famous or more famous vocal collaborators as mouthpieces. Well, those are the remixes. I don't think they had any of those on the original album. Right, right. But I mean, it's we'll, a, we'll get to that. But right. that that is, they may release a whole remix album where they had all these famous people. Right, right. Yeah. So, but that's the thing is that I, you know, people, producers make songs and then they almost like contract the vocals out to various collaborators. It's, it's you know, the way the music is done where the producers are almost above the title stars themselves. It's Terry Guetta featuring blah, blah, blah as the singer. 
or um, you know so that's not unusual it's hard to tell whether they are producer artists or producers or artists or you know if there's some they do most of the vocals at least in the original yeah. album yeah 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 I mean they're heavily processed but it, it's them singing. I want right I wonder here on out what the what the workflow will be but I, whatever we get to that 2019 these two people dropped a formal album a, a, a per, you know an actual album called 1000 Gex and then this year I believe it was June of this year there was a remix album July since they're in two different cities they work uh, this this is where i can get into it they worked like donald fagan and walter becker did yes exactly 100 gex is the new steely, the new dan. steely dan absolutely so walter becker steely dan was in honolulu when he was alive and donald fagan was a los angeles of course guy he was. so the two of them would of they would make was. songs remotely trading back and forth the materials so so when they had all those ringers they brought in to play like guitar solos and stuff mm-hmm. they weren't all in one room together at the beginning they were but it quickly it quickly became a workflow where they didn't need to be together uh, because they they were such professionals about it but yeah they did and this is before what they would have to send probably stuff in packages yeah. over the mail. yeah they would send they would send heart when we still had them that tapes yeah. or whatever so it's really you know that's that this is the new millennium now so this this is music for a lockdown we have people can they work by trading media files back and forth in logic pro which is you know software like pro tools or, or ableton it's robust music making software and, and both of these people you know obviously they're very proficient on they understand music they're producers so they almost treat it like an art file where they plus this thing back and forth and create something collaboratively without being anywhere near each other so we you know gave this thing a a spin listened to some of the songs i had never heard of it before steve mentioned it and i was curious i gave it a little sniff test of just really quickly if i put a title into google what do i see and to be honest i saw more search results than probably some of the things the last 10 titles we did eight of the last 10 titles gave a deeper bench of search returns so i was like okay this is bigger than some of the other tops we've talked about even though i have never heard of it nor did i have any yet isn't that Well, it is weird, but I'm getting used to it because it's happening on the regular now. I'm not. I'm not. I, I know, but I'm not getting used to it. I find it really disturbing. <laughs> well, I want to ask you, Noah, as the resident music uh, wizard, the impresario, the, right. the Rick Rubin of right. our podcast. Tell me. <laughs> yeah, okay. Tell me about 100 Gex. What do you think of this outfit? Uh, it's okay. <laughs> you know, it, it's that's it. These two are talented. They're pretty savvy. I don't find it very exciting. You know, it's funny when I first listened to it. I get. I listened to like the whole first album is 23 minutes. Yeah. And I appreciate that. And I listened to like four or five tunes and I actually went wow these two are pretty good like I think I might actually like this and then I listened to every song two or three more times and watched an interview with them and read a couple articles and I'm like nah I don't like it that much they're very experimental you know they're, they're every article is like oh they chop up and mash and they, they reconfigure pop music and take from all these styles and all that and it's true that I think they're very creative and they make good use of technology and you know this is music that could not exist and would not exist and should not exist 10 20 30 years ago back when you had your steely's dan etc there is still an overarching thing for this that keeps me from really loving it which is everything is built very much on the skeleton at least to my ear of modern pop music which only goes so far to me on top of all the bells and whistles and processed vocals and weird snippets and all that most of these songs really seem to be hung on the formula of a modern pop song 
you strip down ringtone, which I guess is their biggest hit. Yeah, I think so. Ringtone. Big hits were ringtone, money machine, a stupid horse. Stupid horse is my favorite. I'll more about that in a minute. Ringtone. You could sing along. My boy's got his own ringtone. It's the only one I love. It's the only one I know. Something like that. It's a very standard modern pop melody. So it's only going to go so far for me. By the way, this might be off base, but when I thought of that, how like I can't get past it because it all still sounds like a fucking Juice World song to me on some level. Mm. I thought about you told me the boss he used to have who thought all he called all rock music Chinese music. <laughs> yes. He said like he couldn't tell the difference between like the Goo Goo Dolls and no, and like some rap no, song. Or no, something. I have this written in my notes. <laughs> I have, oh, you I have, have an exact anecdote written in my notes. So tell, wait, tell the story again. I just remember he said he called all rock music Chinese yeah, music. Yeah, so he, this was, I worked on Long Island back in the 90s at a, at a convenience store called Dairy Barn, which they're not there anymore, but it was it was 7-Eleven for people who were too lazy to get out of their car, who couldn't quite figure, couldn't master the, con- <laughs> master the concept of getting out of their car and go up Jesus. to the counter. I worked with a man who'd been working at one of these drive through convenience stores for way too long. I'd say he at least had 17, 18 years. He was an older Italian-American gentleman. He he was born in America, but he still spoke thickly accented oh. Italian English, which is which was old school for Long Island, where the Italians used to not assimilate because there were so many of them. You could go through your entire life on Long Island in the middle of Suffolk County without ever having to speak English. That's what it used to be like up until the 90s. It's amazing. This isn't a comment on that. The comment was he was really old world because he was really a guy who was more of a 1950s guy anyway, just in his life. So people would pull up and I mean, we had a boombox that would be playing pop tunes that were just based on, you know, adult album oriented music and people, you know, music would waft in off of people's radios. Like some guy was playing Johnny Resnick, you you know, they were playing Iris from the Goo Goo Dolls or something very benign, completely, you know, middle of the road pop from like 1996. And as soon as the guy would drive away, he would turn to me and go, da, 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 da. I can't understand this Chinese music. And I would scratch my head thinking, you, you, like, you, Iris. <laughs> No one. It's in waltz time. For no, Christ. no one could make a more easily digestible song than Iris by the Google Dolls. And it's like the fact that this this <laughs> man, this 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 guy Al, was still so befuddled and found Johnny Resnick so inscrutable. That's bad. the anecdote. No. Yeah. So my point is. I like some of this. You know, like I said, I think Stupid Horse is their best song. That video you sent me, he describes Stupid Horse, this video reviewer who deserves a big punch in the face. He wasn't that bad. It was just something about him annoying mm. me. He describes Stupid Horse as a ska song, mm. which I don't think is accurate, even though it, it's it's got a bit of a ska rhythm to it. I will say this about them. They have a good mastery of melody. They really know hooks. The melodies are sticky. And that might be job number one of pop music. And I find too much pop music to have a problem with that. I mean, certainly the turn of the 21st century, there were too many that drove me nuts. But 100 Gex, they don't, they don't, skimp on that they got that and stupid horse has got a really great melody and there are a lot of weird things going on seven four five sticky my other favorite song of theirs and yeah these titles just pulled straight from their asses very well produced lots of that there's something new every five seconds and i really like that uh i actually think i like in many cases the remixes better than the originals because the remixes they throw in more stuff ringtone i found very boring in the remix, about three minutes in, something just happens and it gets weird and like industrial metal sounds. So they're very creative. They're playing around a lot. And there's a lot of talent here. I'm reminded, looking at our past topics, a little of um, the Flex Seal videos. Mm-hmm. They're playing around. They're experimenting with the technology to give us something weird, to give us something interesting, to give us a novelty. That also gets why, sorry, novelty, maybe it reminds me, one of the things I like about Stupid Horse 
is it's got that melody, but their vocals are really sped up, really auto-tuned, and they almost sound like they're doing like something you'd hear on Dr. Demento. Mm-hmm. And that just makes it insane and bizarre. And you listen, you're going, what the fuck am I listening to? But it's really catchy. And those are two things I like. I like catchy. I like what the fuck is the shit. Mm-hmm. And I think when you put them together, you can get something, if not great, entertaining. So I give them some credit. Mm-hmm. A little goes a long way for me. Listening to these songs several times, I'm kind of done with them. Yeah. I also give them some credit in that, you know, you and I actually argued about this before we got on the mic. I think they're doing their own thing. You look at these people, right? They do not look like movie stars. They do not look like rock stars. They both look like incredible dorks. The video from Money Machine, they're just like dancing, you know, in a parking lot. But they're like painfully white with a long, ugly, stringy, bleach blonde hair. They look incredibly dorky and they don't seem shy about that at all. And I kind of admire that. What about you? I hated every single minute of this because really yeah, I, I couldn't oh, stand geez. it. I think this this was one of the worst things I've ever had to encounter. Really? Wow. I, here's let me let me let me lay my case out here. I often say there's a difference between something I hate that's well done and something I hate that is poor. I think that I'm, I'm gonna hit toe the line here and say that these are people with a lot of skill. I don't think you can argue that their motivations, as I can discern them, the inspiration they have for making their art is to me like among the worst motivations that there can be. And again, it, it's nice that you, I'm glad that you're coming what, at this. What, from, what they're, making, they're making their art to promote racist policies? They're making their art to get Donald Trump reelected? I mean, no. among the worst. I'm really curious what you mean this by that. This is not a band. This is a satire. This is an art project. This is, as I've always said, the Talking Heads, I don't consider to be a rock band. I consider to be an art project that somehow became a phenomenon, but was never really a band. I think it was something that these these RISD kids made that kind of metastasized to something big, but never really had. I think that's true of a lot of rock and pop bands. But but those are the most, ob- the, the, to me, it was an obvious example that like, like the Talking Heads, to me, it never felt like there was a single bit of space spirit or feeling behind any of it it seemed like it was an intellectual exercise now again people that's fine that's great you're wrong but that's fine people love it i've been outvoted this is music because these are two art school jerk offs who by the way i don't i don't consider they look dorky i consider their their look is dirtbag it's art school dirtbag they look like chapo trap house listeners there's a very different kind of like art school freak look with the blonde hair and the normcore clothing, you know, with the Terry Richardson beard and all that stuff. I think that their whole thing is looking so far ironic, so far out of the ordinary. One of the things this band has, I think the only thing it has for it is the fact that it's a reactionary effort. There's nothing about this that comes from a center of inspiration other than acting on cultural force, which I think we, we agree. I believe that's what you've already said. It's, it's kind of being hung on a pop skeleton. And I would go one step further to say that it is, it is wholly, re- everything they do is reacting uh, against pop influences, pop against mainstream things, the way they dress, the way they act. Isn't that true of almost every pop act, though? No, I don't think so. I think a lot of things have a self-generating, at its core, mission statement. You know, when you when you would, I mean, this is the, Prince. Prince is a great example. I think Prince, 
Prince. Okay, one of the best pop musicians of all sure, time. Sure, but you're comparing them to Prince. No, I'm, no, I'm not comparing them to Prince. I'm bringing up Prince as an example of a, which I think, you know, if you look at other artists who are in the same category as Prince, they're sort of a self, a critical mass, a self-sustaining fire, an atomic engine that just keeps itself rolling over and over again. And it almost makes its own rules up as it goes along. And not every single pop act does that. Some a lot more prosaic. But I feel like these two people don't have any inspiration other than to take the piss out of dubstepy things, other than to take the piss out of Charlie XCX songs, which is one of their vocalists. But they're they're recombining these little pieces that are around. If they didn't have something to act against, to say we're not that, or we're taking the piss out of it, or we're you know, we're ironic and rolling our eyes about it, there would be no music. They wouldn't have something to work on because there's not an original idea in any of their songs. That's not to say I don't agree. Well, okay, I don't that's agree. fine. That's great. I think you're very wrong. I don't think I, I think, think I'm completely right about this, and I think that their output from here on out is going to prove me over and over again as being completely correct. I think it's possible their ideas are limited. Not possible. I think it's likely their ideas are limited, mm. but they're playing with these different pieces. You could say they're an artist the way like a collage artist, right? Well, Something like we, that. Do you remember we covered that already in Vaporwave? Vaporwave was exactly yes. that. Okay. Now, they're, li- they're like Vaporwave. But the thing is, right. the sound of Vaporwave... Now, it's not just the aesthetic. It's, I think, what guys like St. Pepsi and a few of those Vaporwave artists did, who, by the way, I still listen to. In fact, I've even picked up more. That's completely in my lane is the Vaporwave artist, and I've really gotten big into it. There's something about the sound of Vaporwave, what they're doing with the pieces of music, how they chop it up, create something that sounds... I mean, there's a movement completely different, and it's more my taste. Now, of course, that's a taste thing. You know, that's that's not saying that they are better musicians, that the Vaporwave people are somehow more skilled. What they do with it, to me, reads more like actual musical sounds as opposed to an art project. I would not be surprised to see something like this in the Whitney Biennial. You know, this is something that would be playing on a big flat screen in a dark room. You'd watch these songs and it would be, oh, this is something to be shown every every two years as an art project. Something that is a visual installation. Not something that you would actually take home and listen to, to zone out or to have fun with. Right. But something that belongs on a wall in a gallery well, because you're pushing the boundaries of some form. As much as it doesn't appeal to me, I will give them credit. That's the difference between this and Vaporwave or this and something that hangs on the wall is by hanging on the pop skeleton, what they end up with is these collages actually become tunes that you can listen to. Some of the lesser tracks on their album are these weird little sound collages that don't really sound like songs and would never get played on the radio, for lack of a better term. I think those are more what you're talking about, but a song like Stupid Horse or a song like Ringtone, because they hang it on these repetitive lyrics that somewhat say something that someone can relate to and have these tunes that people can hum you can fucking dance to stupid horse you could dance to ringtone you could dance to money machine the same reason why i feel they have limited appeal is the same reason that these are more than a collage hanging on the wall they're actual fucking songs I think you're really undervaluing these people as much as I don't love them. You're of limited uh, mental uh, acuity when it comes to music. We've established this a long time ago. Why? is 100 Gex apparently such a phenomenon that we've never heard of. So in case you don't know that the cover of their first album is the two of them like 
It's a tree somewhere, somewhere in Illinois I looked up, and they're standing on opposite sides of the tree, their backs to the camera, and they're they're bent forward. I'm reminded of that pose at the end of the Blair Witch Project. Yeah, right. With the, the guy standing in the corner. The fans have been so excited about that that someone found the tree and it's like noted on Google Maps now and and they've made parody photos of people in front of that tree. Like it's that people are fucking traveling a pilgrimage to see the tree on the hundred gex album cover. This band we had never heard of till Fucking Steve Flack annoyingly told us about it. Why do people give a shit about a hundred gecks? Well, I, Why I get really, Why this? I get really brass tacks about this, um, and I, I offer it no, no love. Just a very cold and dry scrutiny. And I think it's anarchic. It's nonsensical. It's topical. It's also disobedient. It's messy and it's irreverent. And I think uh, to to uh, bring back the example of my older shift manager at Dairyborn, Al, this is inscrutable to old people. And by old people, I mean anyone over the age of 30. Uh, I personally feel like this is the perfect... <laughs> blah, 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 blah. It's Chinese music. In summation, I think that these things are the perfect stew uh, for, for what I perceive of as mediocre art to become a sensation. Which you know, I don't think it takes a lot these days because you brought it up, the idea that things are so balkanized that you could have a micro sensation people could turn that tree into a tourist destination on par with the joker steps up in the bronx oh come on people are doing that oh yeah yeah they've been doing that since the movie came Fuck out yeah people. what young people who are art school dirtbags and or people who just roll their eyes at anything earnest or completely live in a world of irony would be into and this is all of those things you know times the power of 50 okay but i don't really think you're answering the question which is, why is that anarchic stew appealing, right? Why do people like that? It sounds disobedient. I think it sounds like, I, I think the fact that it's inscrutable to some degree is what makes these things appealing to some people. I thought that we, we talked about Takeshi, the shape of Takeshi 6ix9ine, while coming from the inside of hip hop, you know, the, the, some, something that is based on a lot of recursive influences inside the world of hip hop. His garish mean, the way he looks, there's a strange, you know, weird jokerness to him, the way he was put together. Right. That's really appealing. The package of what that guy's words said in the music and then how he looks, it's sort of dangerous. It's sort of strange. It's like you should give this, give this a shot because it's certainly not. Barry Manilow you know it's not it's not ABBA it's not something that has these these Robert Goulet singing Camelot you know this is something a lot more dangerous and a lot more edgy I like the garish element of this that's one of the things I find appealing here you need to ask whether that element has more appeal now than it would have five years ago ten years ago twenty years ago I'm not so sure I mean I think this is popular because it is hooky I think they're smart to build it on the pop skeleton to combine the two it's the weirdness of vaporwave with the hookiness of Juice World or whatever. We've been talking in the last few months about how is this topic peculiar or particular to the epidemic COVID quarantine moment. And I think the fact that these two are adept and, you know, even before they had to, are working remotely, mm -hmm. right, means in some ways they're on the cutting edge of the way art has to be. We are in for years, if not by necessity, by habit, years of art that is created remotely. Yeah, I think so. There's going to be a lot more animated movies. There's going to be a lot fewer live action movies. Hopefully that isn't the way it's going to have to be for years and years, but I think people are just going to discover that's the way they want to do it. So I don't, again, I don't think you're giving them nearly enough credit. I think these people are talented. Is their talent limited? Yeah. Is is their product for me? No, not 90% no. You know, man, come on. We try to have an open mind here. I know that's very hard for someone of your limited intellect, but this is what we try to do. You know, actually, I would even countermand something you're saying by saying, I don't think they're 
talent is limited. I think their talent is quite unlimited. I think what they choose to do with it and their taste level is what is uh, extremely limited and I would say bordering on dull to useless because apparently with all of this leisure domain they have at digital production, they are in fact doing anything. They are changing their songs a thousand times a second in the middle of one song, just being completely synthetic with all these different movements and motions. And the you know the, the production value of any one of these gibberish nonsense songs suggests the level of tinkering on an almost, you know, second by second, millisecond scale that requires such a fine-tuned knowledge. It's astounding. And I, I say that as somebody who edits and does, you know, rudimentary work in sound editing you mentioned before i sent you a link to this um guy i can't remember his name his youtube channel which doesn't help anybody now it'll be one of the infills here in the show his name is tony uh, anthony i think uh, fantino he's an la-based music uh, and i you know you said he was a little bit of a jerk off but he said something he liked the album the same way you did but he said you know if they get over a lot of their habits a lot of their flashy modern sort of um disobedient naughty habits and they actually double down on the work of music they he he suspects that they have this an incredible album somewhere in them with this music that calms down it doesn't have to become more formal but it has to become more original in his mind and you know i could see that happening if i hear you right you're describing them and maybe even criticizing them for something that popular artists and not just music but popular artists have done since time immemorial for lack of a better term early on they're quote unquote selling out so that they get attention so they can make some money so they can get some clout and then they can use that power to create their art I don't really think this is what they're doing but maybe this is a charitable way to view them through your cracked lens Mm -hmm. they are doing these building them on these simplistic repetitive pop structures so that they can become hit artists when they can call the shots, they can do real art. Well, the nice thing is... But so many pop artists have done that through history. I don't think that these guys right now are beholden to any masters, as it is. I think that they are existing in a world of pure musical id. They are just acting on it. So there's nothing strategic here. They're just fucking around. I think they're just fucking around. And I, and I think that their impulses right. are like most art school jerk-offs. They're just reacting to things. The, 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 the square normie influences that they grew up with in middle America has sort of created a volcanic eruption of strange, jagged impulses. And this is, you know, the music you're going to hear in between these things is the result of that. Hey, you're a piss baby. You think you're so fucking cool, huh? You think you're so fucking tough? You talk a lot of big game for someone with such a small truck. Oh, look at those arms. Your arms look so fucking cute. They look like little cigarettes. I bet I could smoke you. I could roast you. And then you'd love it. And you'd text me I love you. And then I'd fucking roast you. Noah Tarno, would you have liked 100 Gex if you were a kid? Or maybe even 75 Gex. I don't know what we would have had back then. You know, every week when we when you ask me this question, I, I more and more feel like it's a useless question, mm-hmm. even though having this question as part of our podcast was initially my idea. Just because it's so, something like 100 Gex or Juice World or WAP or any of the other musical topics we talked about is so foreign from anything I liked when I was a kid. So you want to say no, but on the other hand, like it's so foreign from anything that existed, at least in the mainstream, <laughs> yeah. when I was a kid. So it's just like... I might like it because I liked weird stuff and I liked hooky stuff. Still, my tastes were so guitar heavy. Although there's some of that here. Like one song I was impressed by, I, I, I mentioned this before, The um, in a lot of cases I like the remixes better than the originals. And they have a song on the album called Hand Hits Mallet. What's it? Hand Crushed by Mallet. Mm-hmm. And the original song I, I had no use for. But then they do a remix uh, with vocals by, what's his name? The guy from Fallout Boy. I like this a lot better. 
because it really sounds like I before I saw his fallout boy I'm like this sounds like it's like mashed up with a blink 182 song so that kind of thing like a real guitar they kind of squeeze the tune into something more I would have liked when I was a kid which is like I would have loved bands like blink 182 and fallout boy when I was a kid absolutely I would have been all over those if those had been the hot thing when I was a kid I feel like this song gets at the Noah as a kid preferences right I often say if I were a kid now I would definitely have more diverse tastes and more electronic tastes than I did just because those things are more ever present I think it's possible I really would have been into 100 gags mm -hmm. there's no way I would have liked this as a kid and if you didn't get that at the top of the show I I think that they are trying way too hard to be obscure yeah, yeah. um they, and and i don't like any art that is endeavoring to be obscure i can't watch david lynch movies um you know they're just things like really you don't like david lynch I movies can't, can't at stand all him. I, dune is one of my favorite wow. movies but dune is the most non-representative movies Unnamed. that he's ever made when you're trying to throw the, the audience off of your work while you're making it i'm instantly thrown and i can't get i can't let art wash over me i need a narrative i need to understand where it's coming from i also need to understand that there's a language inside of it as opposed to just strange, quixotic, knee-jerk zigzags left and right. Uh, otherwise, I'd just get thrown. I mean, I ha I've always had very smooth, easy, non-convoluted non tastes. I, things need to do to make sense to me. They need to, I need to be able to read them. And this music is completely based on like a hyperactive child. I can understand it and tolerate it more as a movement, understanding what I'm listening to now as an adult, but as a kid... It is just like a chemical imbalance of not being able to just even for a single second tolerate it. But it is a tad bit derivative and going forward I would love to hear more songs or at least more experiments kind of sticking out of the chaos that Gex creates. I appreciate how genuinely experimental a lot of what's on this project is, but it would be great to hear something from these two that is uh, a bit more coherent, has more replay power, and relies less on novelty. Maybe I shouldn't ask is. Maybe from what I've learned of your opinion of this, I should ask how is 100 Gex and its success a sign of the apocalypse? This is not a sign of the apocalypse, simply because, again... Really? Yeah, no, no, okay. We're talking, about, wanna, we're talking about a music act here. No, in my notes, I, I have... Um, I came to two names, and I thought, okay, how about this? It's something either like a Zappa and the Mothers of Invention mm. or Captain Beefheart. Yeah. Think of, I, I didn't think of... Be I, I thought of Beefheart a little, but I didn't think of Zappa. Well, think about... Either, these, okay. are, these are two possibilities. This is like, you know, when somebody's looking at the fork in the road. So you either have the weirdness that kind of turns into its own franchise. No art... Or very few artists were like Zappa and have been like Zappa in the interim. You know, it hasn't kind of happened. Zappa it was his own industry... Um, his songs still stand alone. And I'm not even a big Zappa fan. I don't know much about him. His inspiration, where it came from, and the kind of role that he, he occupies in many, many people's heads, even today. There's something very powerful about it that other people haven't really gone on to stake out same territory on that Frank Zappa homestead. So that's one way, right? When you have that kind of skill, you can go down that route of weirdness and make your own little desert island that people just venerate for the rest of their lives. Small, uh, or a, you know, a cultish type thing. The other way I think I bring up Captain Beefheart. What was his name, Noah? Don something or other? Don Van Vliet. 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 Yeah. It's a Dutch like name, that. that's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, so like Beefheart is this thing that's kind of whispered about rever reverently by, by music nerds. It looks on the outside like it's a strange freak project. It was it was sort of baked in the influences of the time in which it came out. Captain Beefheart himself, Don Van Vliet, had a weird 
history, you know, things didn't exactly go well for him. The music has this little bit of a legend to it, as if it's it's a, it's a handshake, a secret handshake for the people who get it. Uh, the, the worst, I'm saying the worst I could say, just because it's a band and no one cares and it's a small little pocket universe, it's not going to affect music on a larger scale. I see one of those two, you know, from my own limited vantage point, I see one of those two possibilities with them. I like the Zappa comparison because I think Zappa, part of his gimmick was that he did hang his experiments on a pop framework. Or not just a pop framework. He was he was one of these guys who really consumed all yeah, the types yeah, of music, yeah, yeah, right? right? He would bring in all sorts of different genres. I think that's a good comparison. I, I heard Beefheart in some of the, like I mentioned, the throwaway little sound collages on, on the 100 Gex album. Just because I, I listen to Beefheart more than Zappa. I find Trout Mask Replica to be such a fascinating album. I'll give you a word of advice. Do not listen to it when you're depressed. I did that once and that was a big fucking mistake. <laughs> I think this is the opposite of the apocalypse in that this, and like I said, this might be how art has to be. It has to be done from collage because it's going to be harder to create something new or our brains are just too jumbled and filled and bifurcated. I said earlier, all art, I think, is recontextualizing, reconfiguring existing art. But that process is going to have to be more transparent in that it's going to have to literally be sampling old stuff. Or that's going to be the lion's share of art moving forward. If not the lion's share, a very, very, very strong presence. So maybe this is the way forward. And the fact that I think they can still be original and they can still be appealing and they can still have this kind of mainstream light fluff, which in many ways is what pop is supposed to be. They could still do that, I think, kind of is heartening, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. I still don't think it's that great, but whatever. It's pop music. It's not supposed to be that great. So maybe this is exactly what we want from pop music moving forward. Something that's catchy, but still creative, making the best use of the tools at hand. Do you guys have a way of describing your music? Pop. Pop. Fun pop. Kooky pop. Whoa, so wacky. Pop. <laughs> Electronic. Electronic banger music. Electronic pop punk. Electronic tech house. It's just tech house, actually. All music is the fucking same. Tech step. Uh, Any of them. Fun core. Jazz. Uh, comedy music. Noah, tell me about jealousy. Uh, is there anything about 100 Beef Hearts that makes you jealous? The only thing I'm jealous of, I've often said, like, I think when people hate on hipsters, a lot of it is based in sour grapes. Mm -hmm. A lot of, like, because I see this sometimes. When I see, like, a guy at a bar with, like, a big, ridiculous, curved-up mustache wearing this ironic t-shirt, I just have the sense that if I look like that and I was walking through a rough neighborhood, I would instantly have the shit kicked out mm -hmm. of me. I wish I had the self-confidence that they had. I wish I could make myself stand out or make myself look that... Ostentatious, I don't know. yeah. Ostentatious or even just, you know, because we hate on them because we think they're cliches, right? I wish I could not care about making myself mm -hmm. that target, even if you think these people are stupid. I wish I could have that blissful ignorance, right? So I'm jealous that these two can look like that and still go and put themselves out there and get accepted and get loved and have... I watched a clip of them doing Stupid Horse in concert in like February and the crowd was jumping up and down and screaming and yelling and you couldn't hear them sing because everyone was singing along, right? So yeah, I'm jealous. I wish I could look like pieces of shit like they look like and, <laughs> and get people paying money and following me and time and energy to recreate my album covers. Yeah. I'm an entertainer. Boy, it's but it's, alas, alack, I am not. Uh, yeah, it's amazing because I, I started writing in the notes something like, no, how could I be jealous? And then I thought, well, I have to interrogate my own self because I had such a strong reaction to this even before 
I listened to, you know, note one of the music, just watching the interview and reading about their album. I started hating it and I started having this sort of fulmination. And I'm like, only after I was done with all I'm putting these notes together did I think, Okay, so so something was kicked up. I don't know what that is. I don't think I can answer it. It did rile something up in me. Whether it, it is the postmodernism, what it is, whether it is the license that they have, uh, maybe like you thinking that I can't even put on a baseball cap without feeling like uh, I look like an idiot. You know, not right. that I'm going to get beat up because I'm over six feet tall and I'm, you know, I'm pretty beefy. If I would do something, I think that it's easily, uh, I'd be open to public ridicule in some way. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, so what, yeah, what is the power? We don't, we don't have the confidence. That these no, obviously. Have. Yeah. That, it's, it's, and again, it's not just the matter of the dirtbag hipster douchebag look, long blonde hair and the sort of, you know, gay, dull gaze eyes, the sort of suburban tune out jerk off look that they have it's more than that it's the idea of the whole package the art school thing whatever this confidence perhaps maybe maybe what it is the idea that there is some determination and some crystallization that they're already better at the age of 25 than anything i've ever been good at in my life so couple that with the way that they groom themselves and the way that they act and the whatever this tim and eric weird spirit and you know it's another thing i can't really you know i can't really get down with but their videos almost look like tim and eric videos the way they're filled with yeah. strange jagged editing and artifacting and and you know weird after effects and stuff like that it is it inspires something that i, I would have to i think admit to a little bit of jealousy but not in a way that i can elucidate clearly you know okay. so uh with that noah let's zip right into the felonian scale the fallon uh, the jimmy fallon zero base scale we use an xyz axis of all the things we've talked about on our show where would you place 100 trout mask replicas the comparison i thought of and this came from nowhere was um, Princess Elena of Avalor, remember yeah, her? Sure. This like fantasy cartoon for girls with like Latina representation and all that. And I liked it because I thought like it's modern, it's timely, it's creative and of high quality. But I got bored of it after like three minutes, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And like I didn't get by three minutes. It wasn't that bad. Like I really liked Stupid Horse. A couple of these songs I actually really like and would welcome them if I like heard them again. I'm not going to go out and buy them and like voluntarily listen to them, but like would be happy to hear them at, when I'm out and about, which is never anymore. I put this at like Princess Elena in the circle of stuff I like it exists, but I have no use for, which week by week is getting bigger and bigger. Mm-hmm. I think that's like two thirds of everything we've looked at. I think at. you're right. We're getting there. Man. I um, was inspired to fuse two horrific things into one. I put together Bad Baby and Poke into Poke bad Baby. Baby. Oh, fucking Bad Baby is so much worse than this. Uh, oh, my had, God. Exact, Come on. exactly as much novelty. I don't care how oh, no how, how well these two people have the capacity to make music. I have exactly as much interest in listening. They, I, I will give them the credit. They are less likely to get into a fight in a food court than Bad Baby is. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't... Even the name Bad Baby is so contrived. And 100 Gex, which, by the way, they, they just picked up from some random graffiti yeah, somewhere. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, it was ta- a tag on like, a dorm and, in, in Chicago somewhere or wherever. But they're so different. Bad Baby, talk about, like, ooh, I'm such a badass doing exactly what thousands of people have done before, affecting a cliche she pose. Was contrived. Everything about her was a contrivance. Yeah. Completely contrived. And I think 100 Gex are just throwing themselves out there. That's why I put uh, poke no. in there, too, is because it's also something that okay. is literally disgusting for me to eat. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I think that uh, brings us to the end of another episode. 
If you'd like to find past episodes of our show, look on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Apple Podcasts. Yeah, that's that's what it's called. Podcast. Apple. Apple. I can a podcast. Apple Podcasts. SoundCloud, yeah. Google Play, and Stitcher. Uh, tweet to us at, tweet to us at Noah and Bill Show. Uh, write to us at Noah and Bill Don't Get It at gmail.com and go on Apple Podcasts and give us a review because uh, people find the show when you do that. It, 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 it's a signal boost. I am on Twitter at William Scurry saying incorrect things all the time that annoy Noah Tarno. And my video uh, production is on uh, YouTube at youtube.com slash amcaesar. Now Noah will uh, fill you in on his whole deal. I'm all about the big quiz thing. Bigquizthing.com, America's premier provider of corporate and private trivia events all virtual now back in person soon uh these days we're doing quite a few fundraisers for worthy causes so i encourage you to reach out to us uh if you have one of those worthy causes and yes it is 2020 so a lot of them are political causes and candidates we agree with we agree with uh so uh bigquisting.com learn all about it and yeah we're on the social medias you can figure that one out for yourself so until next time, the sooner we can get at this topic, the better, because I, truly, I don't get it. A production of American Caesar Enterprises 2020.